you guys thought there was a guest speaker and then I show up. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Um, I just want to thank you guys, Element City Church and Greater Faith for being here. You guys, I don't know if you can experience worship or you feel worship um, through music like I feel through music. That was intense. And I was praying, we drove from California this morning, and I started praying as soon as we get in the car that the Spirit would move in power and in might through Jamie and his word and us as a congregation of people of God's kingdom. And he would move us in our heart, in our, in our, in our minds, and move us in power. And so that's what I'm, I'm praying that in expectation. And uh, it's going to be a great time tonight hearing the word from um, Pastor Jamie. Um, this night came out of an a, a interesting conversation um, that Pastor Jamie and I had at Dunkin' Donuts. What's even crazier, because I can't eat gluten, so I don't know what I was doing in the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Torturing myself is what I was doing. And he said a couple phrases to me that have stuck with me and radically changed my spirit and how I've approached being in Midtown Tucson. He said these things, in God's word, he says, repent and I will heal your land. That stung. In a good way. And I believe tonight, and Jamie being here and Greater Faith being here, is a benchmark altar we're putting here at this church and here in God's kingdom in Midtown so that he can heal our land. And so I want you to just open our hearts and open our minds in a ways that you may not been able to do before, but just pray, God, just move me, disturb me, shape something new in me. And then as we walk out of here tonight, we're going to be changed because we've experienced the Spirit. Jamie, come bring. Come on, celebrate Jesus if you would. Come on, celebrate Jesus if you would. It's a great day to celebrate the Lord. Oh, come on, if he's been good, won't you just clap your hands to the Lord who's strong and mighty, the Lord who is mighty in battle, the Lord who is our great God and our great King deserves a great shout from his people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> Amen. You may take your seats tonight or this evening. I am... Uh, I'm really stoked to be here uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, <clears throat> I am certainly humbled uh, to, be, to be called upon to serve uh, the bread of heaven tonight. Uh, from what I understand, four different congregations that are here tonight. That sounds like a city church to me. Uh, amen. Mm -hmm. If you'd allow me just, to, just for a moment, um, I met Pastor Jack uh, about four years ago. Uh, at a one-day pastor's prayer summit over at the U of A, and he and I was paired together to share and to pray for one another. And as he and I sat overlooking the, the Wildcat Stadium there, I didn't know it at that time, but I shared with him some of the most broken areas of my life and things that I had come through and was still coming out of. And he wept right there with me and he prayed with me we strengthened each other together and from that time four years now we still text each other and we still check in on each other and and, and all of that but it, it really changed my life personally because we're really trying to put an emphasis on transparency and i think this is going to flow into what i'm going to be sharing tonight um but where you are not transparent is where the enemy can keep you in bondage a holy moment that we had sitting there, uh, uh, there at U of A, and that, that, that has always been a significant moment for me, uh, and I would hope so for, for Pastor Jack as well. But for Pastor Brian, as he said, he and I just met in like November, uh, and we sat in Dunkin' Donuts for, I don't know, maybe an hour, um, and it was a time of great encouragement, great uh, inspiration. It was a time of, of, of brotherly bond. And I remember the conversation very well, speaking around the topic of repentance. Um, I want you to know tonight that there's very few things that I am more passionate about 
than this topic tonight. I really kind of asked myself, man, do they really want me to talk about this? Um, because I can talk out of my heart for three hours on this topic because it is the heart of God. It is the heart of our Father. And it happens too, um, uh, if there's a word, if I can say this way, unfrequently within believers, within our houses of worship. Uh, if I were to give you a little bit of fine print about my life, it will be, he might get worked up just a little bit. <laughs> and just get worked up with me. Tonight, if I had a topic or I had a theme or something that you could embrace, it will be repentance, the great key that unlocks the next dimension. And oftentimes we stay in the circles, we stay, amen, on the levels and in the realms that we are simply because oftentimes we don't know what is necessary to unlock the next dimension over our life. And I'm going to tell you tonight that next dimension, it is held up because of a lack of repentance. The average person struggles with saying, I'm sorry. The average person. Just for, for a lot of us, we were raised up, trained, or had examples in front of us. You know, of, you know if, if, you, if you apologize, that means, you're, you're, that means it's your fault. That means you're a wimp. That means you're not a real man or you're not, you're not this. Don't ever apologize. And for many of us, especially men, we were raised up so hard. And now we get married and we have a wife and we have children that, are, that we're responsible for and that God has entrusted to us. And, and, and we can't even say I'm sorry to our child. Nonetheless, to our mate. How many marriages right now could still be together if the man or the woman knew the power of repentance? Do you know that most people that are divorced in our world today still love each other? My grandparents, not proud of this, but my grandparents got divorced after 36 years of marriage. 36 years of marriage, and they live about a mile apart from each other in South Carolina. My mom and my dad got a divorce after 18 years of marriage, and I know that my mama still loved my daddy and that my daddy still loved my mama. I knew it, I know it, and I knew it. But they didn't understand the power of repentance and the power of forgiveness. Sisters, we've come, to, we've come to know Christ because of this very principle. And for, 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 for a lot of people, that was a one-time deal. I said I'm sorry when I got saved. I asked the Lord to forgive me when I got saved. And it has never been habitual since then. Whatever it takes, took us to get saved, which we know the grace of God. The scripture says to us, amen, that with the heart, Amen. Man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 and 9. That is a powerful, powerful text. And, and God said, you know what? I need you to confess. Your confession works with my grace. My grace draws your confession out of you. My grace, God says, draws confessions out of you. Tonight, we're going to reach another realm of maturity because we're going to understand the significance of repentance. Godly repentance is much more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's much more than just saying, my bad. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. It starts there, but it certainly doesn't end there. I want to invite your attention to a couple of scriptures here tonight. And I want us to start uh, in Matthew chapter 16. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. I said to you this is something that I'm very passionate about and something that, is, that has changed really my way of living. Um, you know, I mentioned about, hey, well, what about how someone was raised or that type of thing. Uh, I heard my dad say to me, Jamie, I love you twice in my 18 years before I left home to go into the United States Army, only for maybe three or four months after that for him to be murdered in my home city in South Carolina. 
And I'm gonna tell you, after my father died, one of the things that I remembered most was him over the bed when I'm laying in the bed and him just saying, Jamie, I'm sorry. Jamie, I'm sorry. Jamie, I know what I did to your mom. I'm sorry. And you know what I thought? If, I can, if you can allow me this freedom here. Uh, I don't know if I've even, I've even said this, but um, so there was um, the murder is still open. My dad was murdered. The case is still open there in South Carolina, and they uh, said that the mafia was involved in, in other things. Um, but my dad was, was ran over repeatedly. And it was on a cloudy, rainy, stormy night. And he was, the uh, police report says that it was, they can see that it wasn't just a hit. It was a hit and it was a make sure he doesn't get up. And, you know, at 18 years old, just gave my life to the Lord, just going into the United States Army, just getting married, uh, that literally rocked my world. And you know what I thought about? brothers and sisters, God, I hope that while my daddy was laying on that street, that he said, Father, forgive me. Just like he said, Jamie, I'm sorry, forgive me. I can only hope in my heart that that happened, but I said, God, if, if he can say it to me, God, know that he can say it to you. I pray that my father is in, is in heaven. I pray that my natural daddy is in heaven. But I'm gonna tell somebody something. That's the only, that's the only and the main bridge to get there. Repentance. John the Baptist came and preached one message. His entire ministry. One message. Matthew chapter three, different from where we're going right now. But he said, repent. Why? Because the kingdom is at hand. Change your mind. Metanoia in the Greek. Change your mind because God is about to blow your mind. You and I have to prepare. Not just spiritually. I, 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 I find it so fascinating that repentance means change your mind. It, it, it literally, it, it's as if God is saying we need more work psychologically than we do spiritually. And if you are really honest right now, most people you know probably got more head issues than they do heart issues. How they think, what they think about, what they meditate on. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? So it means, it means to change your mind. It means to change your direction. I break it down like this. Repentance. Re, we understand, means to do again, right? Or to do over or to go back again. The prefix, right, re. Pent is where we get our English word penthouse. It's the same word where we use the word penthouse, which means top. Penthouse is the top. So when God says repent, that means Go back to the top. Why? Because whenever you and I need to repent, that means we're no longer at the top of our game. We're no longer at the top of where God would have us to be. And so for whatever reason, we drop down several floors. And for some of us, maybe we're living in the basement, but God's blessings is in the penthouse. And God says, I'm trying to get you to the penthouse, but you got to change your mind. Tense just means process. It means it's ongoing. It means you and I must consistently and always be repenting. Even if you can't remember, well, I don't, I don't think I did nothing wrong today. Don't let your flesh fool you. You can have the best day ever, but you still need to repent. You know what I'm saying? You could have done exactly what God told you to do because watch this. It is in word, it is in deed, and it is in thought. And maybe you didn't do nothing wrong, but you said something wrong. Maybe you didn't say something wrong, but you thought something wrong. Right? So let's look at Matthew. Let's look at Matthew. What did I say? Matthew what? 16, 18? What did I say? 16? Look, Matthew 16, because I need, I want to I give you this. Matthew 16 uh, let's begin in verse, um, uh, yeah, 
Let's maybe go into verse 14. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. 13, 13, 13. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am the son of, who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter stepped out and said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. Jesus immediately answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. Right. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys. I'm sorry, Eric, come here. I will give to you the keys. Take this one off of there if you would, please, sir. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven now this is very 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 important for you to understand he said i will give you the keys plural to the kingdom of heaven and i'm gonna tell someone tonight repentance is not a key it is a great key that unlocks Upward mobility. Natural keys open up horizontal dimensions. Keys of the kingdom open up dimensions above us. I don't know about you, but I got enough doors opening on my level. I need things to open above me. I need things to open beyond my reach. I need things to open, amen, beyond, amen, my intelligence, beyond my education, beyond my ability. And I'm telling someone tonight a great key. If you're like me, when I first got saved, I wanted to know what keys are these? Jesus, if you're telling me that you gave us the keys, amen, of the kingdom in another place, the keys of death and the grave, and I think Revelation says the keys of Hades, said that I've given you these keys. What does that mean? That means you get to unlock death. When death is trying to take your family member out or take you out, God, Jesus said, I've given you a key. I need you to pray in Jesus' name. And the prayer of faith, the Bible says, will save the sick. That's a key. Repentance. This, this kind of looks like, I wish I can tell you that this fits in my house someplace, but it doesn't. But this kind of looks like it would open like a castle door. I mean, this just kind of, this ain't no, you know, get in the Honda, uh, Keith, praise God. <laughs> If you got a Honda, praise God, amen. But, but this, 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 <laughs> this key looks like it's going to unlock something that I'm, I might even be a little afraid of what's on the other side. Why? Because eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither have it entered into the heart of those, the things that God has in prepared for us. And I'm going to tell somebody, it takes the keys of the kingdom to be able to open them, and repentance is one of them. I chose to start that way tonight because I want you to understand that repentance is not a religious act. Asking for forgiveness. Three powerful words. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Those words can restore families in a moment. Those words can you can have generations of hate and bitterness. You can have generations of discord and division. And all it takes is somebody that will say, I'm going to stand up to represent my family and say, I'm sorry. We wronged you. We did you wrong. We 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 now I, I'm amazing. You know, just being being a soldier, you know, of how amen. even now with, with, with current president, previous presidents, how they have come and they have honored posthumously several veterans. I mean, from from fighting in World War One and World War Two and in Vietnam. And they come to recognize that either they were wronged or they should have received something that they shouldn't have. And I'm going to tell you something. When you understand the power of repentance, you will take it any day. Well, you should have said that earlier. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you, when your pain becomes so great and somebody who has wounded you or who has wronged you and they come and they are authentic and they are genuine and they say, brother, I was wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. I can't give you the time back. I can't give you this back. But I want you to know in my heart of hearts, I did you dirty. The Lord has touched my heart and he's shown me how wrong I was. It changes everything. Now, listen to me for a moment. My, our church, Greater Faith, we just celebrated 10 years last weekend, amen, of being in the city. Yeah. 
<clears throat> 10 years, uh, and I'm grateful to have many of our staff and our leaders that are here with us today with my wife and my daughters. Um, I know a lot of wonderful people in this city. And I'll be honest with you, I probably know more hurt people than I do healed people. I don't know if you would say the same. I know more people that are in need of God's forgiveness and that are in need of other people's forgiveness than I do those that are walking around that have no need at all. And what really strikes my heart as being a senior pastor is that there are many pastors that don't even associate with each other. We are teach our congregation and our flocks the power of repentance and how we need to get things right and how we need to let things go. And then sometimes it is the pulpit that is the biggest offender. And so we'll say, you need to get along, but then senior pastors don't get along. We need to take care of your brother. Am I, bro am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Well, what about, amen, those of us that are in senior leadership? Repentance is for everyone. The one holding the microphone one that's looking nice and beautiful like all of you are right now. Repentance is for everyone. One of the most powerful moments I've had, my wife and I, in raising our four daughters, is when I sat down with my daughters and said, Daddy missed it right here. I'm sorry. If I could do this over, I would do it completely different. I, I, I'm not sure what I was thinking when I did that. It seemed like it was right at the time, but it wasn't. How can we make that right? How can we do this differently? Because repentance is not supposed to just be something that we do in church. It, it should and must become a lifestyle. I ask you, if you would, now to turn with me, amen, to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Think about how many times you wash your car. How many times you wash your clothes? How often do you clean your house? Now let me ask you, how often do you clean your spirit? How often do you wash your spirit? That's what repentance does. Repentance washes and cleanses our spirit. And we will spend money, effort, and energy to, do, to be as clean as we can naturally. When our spirit, if I dare say in this spirit-filled church, our spirits can be filthy. That's why repentance is important. How many times do we see between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where the disciples left Jesus or Jesus stole away from the disciples and they said he was off by himself praying. He was off over here by himself praying, in the wilderness praying, in the garden praying, on the boat praying, on the water praying, 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. Why was he always, let me tell you something, he wasn't praying and asking God for power. He was giving us an example. The disciples came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And just begin to break it down. And in the middle of that prayer, what did he say? Forgive as I forgive other trespassers. I forgive those that sin against me. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. You cannot conclude your prayer. You cannot say that you have a prayer life when you don't include repentance in that. You allow the Holy Spirit to search you. And there to be times you'll be kneeling in prayer. The Bible says, Amen. If you bring your gift to the altar, there you remember that you have an alt with your brother. Watch what the Bible says. Let me tell you how important the repentance is. Forget about your gift. Forget about your worship. Forget about, amen, how people may view you. Go get it right with your brother. That's what the Bible says. Then come back and offer your gift. But you know what? Over time, we begin to get it so built up, we just keep offering our gift and don't even realize that our spirit is clogged. That's what repentance does. It washes us, it cleanses us, it purifies us. And we know the blood of Jesus washed us and it gave a man access into heaven and we have salvation. Amen, that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But my brothers and sisters, until you and I get to heaven, there's an earth that needs to be turned. There's an earth that needs to be turned and it cannot be turned by bitter people, by hurt people. It cannot be turned by those, amen, who are still fed up with the wrongs that have been done to them. Repentance, it cleanses you, it washes you. And now, amen, not only can you think clearly, but now your obedience is a pure obedience. That's what repentance does. 
Tap your neighbor and say, put yourself in God's washing machine. Come on, man, get on this spin cycle. Put, put, it, put, a, put on a heavy load. Put, oh, man, Jesus. Because some of us got a lot of stuff we need to get washed out. I know we're sitting here tonight and we look good and we love Jesus. But there's some stuff on the inside of us that need to be washed out. And it affects my parenting. It affects my leading. Amen. It affects my engagement and my fellowship. And sometimes it's not that people don't want to be around you. It's that their spirit is so clogged up with so many things that have happened to them. They can't be in the presence of someone who has clean spirit. I am fully convinced. Hear what I'm about to say to you right now. The one thing our city and our nation is lacking for a ridiculous revival is somebody who will ridiculously repent. I want you to take that to the bank, what I just said. How many, many of you, prayer warriors, amen, generals in the faith from years before, generations before, and even now that are crying out every day, Lord, we want your presence. Lord, we want a revival in our city. Lord, we want you to save, amen, the guttermost of the uttermost. Lord, we want you to just sweep through our city. And God says, I've been ready to do that. You're not ready. I shared with a group of pastors some time ago, I said, you know what, we have worship conferences, which I love and which is great, amen. We have great preaching and great teaching, amen. We have great music, we have great sound, we have all these things that are necessary in the kingdom, that are absolutely necessary. We have prayer conferences, we have prayer retreats, we have prayer summers, we have all these things which are necessary and which is wonderful. But I want to know who's going to stand up on a pulpit and say, it's not more worship that we need, it's not more praise that we need, it's not more preaching that we need. We need somebody that will humble themselves and say, Father, I was wrong. Lord, we were wrong. The Bible says, amen, that if my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. God, he said, if they cry out to me, I will hear their voice and I will what? Heal their land. But I need somebody. Repentance humbles you like worship can. Repentance humbles us like preaching can. Repentance breaks us down. Amen. And we begin to realize, God, I'm nothing without you. David, maybe in Psalms 51, he says, you can take my crown. You can take my robe. You can take, amen, my kingship. You can take, but please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why is that important? Because one of the main things that keep most people from repentance is their title and their position and their status. One of the main things that keeps most people from truly humbling ourselves and asking God with godly sorrow, which is what we're about to read in 2 Corinthians here, is we have to forget about, watch this, where we are, forget about who's around us, forget about who might see. Do you remember when David just broke out in the Bible and started dancing to the scripture it says he came out of his clothes, he didn't care about his kingship, he didn't care who would see him. Isn't that, oh, I don't want to meddle with y'all tonight, but it's something. He, he got so exuberant for God that it actually messed up his marriage. Now just imagine for a moment if one of you just get up and start running around this place. For somebody, your wife or his husband will look at you and say, yeah. Um. <laughs> because most people are not ready for true expression of the Spirit of God. It's not God moving. Guess what, church? It's us moving. Repentance, if you and I, if you are a mama or a daddy or a parent in here today, as much as you would do all that you can to provide for your children, a roof over their head, clothes on their back, hey man, a meal to eat, hey man, you, you got, you know, uh, stock options in their name, you got, hey man, bank accounts in their name, you're preparing for their college fund, you're doing all these wonderful things, teach your child how to repent. Because they're going to need it. Teach your child how to accept someone else's repentance. If not, we raise a generation that becomes hard-hearted, or as King James will say, say stony-hearted. This is the significance of repentance. I sat, there's a pastor here in the city years ago. 
and he was on his deathbed. I didn't know him, but I just heard that he was near the end of his life. And I just felt compelled that I needed to go and just visit him. And I didn't know who he was. I, I met him for the first time on his deathbed. He was there at the VA hospital. And he was very fragile, very weak. And I just started talking to him. And I said, you know, he was, I don't know if he was even catching what I was saying at the, at the, the you know, the, at the onset, onset. And I said, you know, my name is Jamie Benjamin. You know, I pastor here in the city, my wife and I, and, you know, young man, and I just want to be obedient to what the Lord would have in the city. And I just heard about all the wonderful things that you've done in your church and your ministry. I just want to just come and honor you and just, just tell you I love you. And I just want to just pray for you and pray with you. And, and I can feel his, his, he was squeezing my hand as I was talking. He couldn't really say much, but he was just squeezing my hand. So I went and visited him maybe once uh, a week for a couple of weeks. And then I went back, and this, I didn't know this would be the last time that I would, he would still be alive, that I had the opportunity to, to talk with him. And I said, um, sir, I don't even know if you can answer this question, but I want to ask it. I said, you've lived a long life. You've pastored a long time. You have a family that loves you and cares for you. Just, I said, what advice would you give a young, at that time, maybe 20-something young man? Like, what, what would you tell me? What should I be careful about? What should I, just, just whatever you would say. And he squeezed my hand, barely could get the words out, and he said, repentance. And he said, listen, I don't even want to try to imitate him because it was, it was too much of a holy moment. But he said, don't trust that people are going to just do it. Give them an opportunity to do it. sit down with your family and say, over the dinner table, maybe in between commercials, you're watching a TV show with your family, in between when they go to a commercial, just mute the TV and say, hey guys, anything we need to repent of right now? Just, just in between, I mean, get delivered in the middle of Black Panther, praise God, whatever. Hey Amen, I'm talking about in the middle of your favorite show, just, just take five minutes, a few moments. In between passing the bread and the macaroni and cheese, praise God. You just say, is there any of us that need to say, I'm sorry for anything. They need to repent for God for anything. We're not finna judge you. We're gonna do, we want to just repent of it and we want to move on. He said, do not just trust that people are going to do it. And he said, to include the people in your church. That was, I don't know, maybe 9, 10, 11 years ago. And at least once a month without any, without being religious with it. And many of the greater faith citizens are here. At least once a month, I come up in front of our church right after praise and worship. And I said, let's kneel. Let's bow. And we're going to take five or ten minutes or whatever the spirit would do in that moment. And we begin to just confess sins and the music is going. And we're just, we're just taking that time to just hit the laundromat. We're just taking that time to allow our, our spirits to be cleansed. And, we get, and oftentimes we've had some of the biggest breakthroughs in our church after we come up out of that moment. Don't just trust that it's going to happen. We need to be pushed. We need to be urged. We need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded. And if nothing else, that's what I'm here to do tonight. For some of you, this may be the first time that you're hearing a message like this in this way. For others of you, this is it's, 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 it's repetitive. You've heard it before. You know it. You understand it very well. This is a prick to you saying you know it so well. Why aren't you doing it? Jesus ministered for three and a half years listen to me now, and literally reshaped our entire world. Gifts, signs, wonders, miracles happen in ways in which we've never seen. Why? Why did that happen? Because somebody came before him and said, repent. The reason we don't have many miracles in our church is because nobody's came up beforehand and said, let's repent. The reason we don't see the works that Jesus did in the sense of how Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do and greater works shall you do because I go to my father is because who is the John the Baptist in this church? Who is the John the Baptist in your family? Who is the John the Baptist in this city? I tried and I know that our time is 
moving down here a little. I don't know. I think I stay up here. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm a talker, man. I'm in South Carolina. That's a walk and talk with no shoes on. Hallelujah. Uh, John preached one message and he said, repent. Where's the Greek? Where's the theology? Where's the, where, where's the, where's, 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 where, where's the subscratum of the scriptures? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind because God is about to show up. If that's true, then that means God, our Father, is about to show up in this place and in this city like we've never seen it before. And he's saying, change your mind. Who is it in here that you may have an ought against, an issue with? Who is it in your family? My brother right under me, Marcus, incredible individual. And maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, maybe somewhere, was riding here in Tucson. He's in South Carolina. Well, actually, he's in Charlotte. And he said, Jamie, can I just pull over? Can we just talk for a moment? And I pulled over on the side of the road. And he said, I just need to say I'm sorry. And he began to just go down the road of things that, that he did. And I'm like, brother, no, 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 man. You're not, no, let me tell you what I'm sorry for. I mean, I wasn't finna let him out repent me. I'm like, no, are we pulling this car over? Nah, brother, you finna hear me. And so I, I mean, my list was longer than his. I mean, because I'm the older brother. I did more, way more stuff to him. Anybody older siblings in here, you know you kind of did some things that. I was like, no, brother, let me say, let me tell you what I'm sorry for. Let me tell you what I need your forgiveness for. And I began to bring up things that he didn't even know that I did. <laughs> what moment like that can be created in your family? That I just take somebody and just start. Let me read this as I hasten through. I want to read 2 Corinthians 7, just three verses. 2 Corinthians 7, three verses, 8 through 10. He says, for even, even if I made you sorry with my letter, this is all right into the church at Corinth. He said, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry. Though only for a while, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation not to be regretted. Godly sorrow. What does that mean? If I just feel bad it doesn't mean I repented sometimes it's just I'm sorry I'm sorry I never do it again. I never do it again but the, the energy that I'm expressing in that moment is out of embarrassment and out of shame Godly sorrow doesn't have embarrassment with it, and it doesn't have shame with it. Godly sorrow is authentic and genuine, and it is literally, if, if you were to think of the prodigal son, when he was in that hog pen, and the scripture said that he desired to eat the husks that the swine did eat. And the Bible says he came to himself. What happens? Godly sorrow set in. He came to himself and he said, what am I doing out here? Why am I acting like a servant when I'm a son? My father has meat in his house and to spare. You know what I go do? He said, I'm going to get up from here. I have no idea how he made it back to his grace. The Bible says he was in a faraway country. Some God will make a way for you to get to the place where you need to be at. Oh man, that's good. You just missed a good place right there. He, he had no money for nothing, but yet some kind of way God opened doors to get his own for him to make things right. Because God is just waiting for some of us to say, I'm ready to make things right. 
and God will provide a way of it. He will provide. What did he do when he saw his father? He ran to him. He said, Daddy, I'm no more worthy to be. Uh, to be your son. Make me as one of your high servants. What does that mean? He forgot about his position, his title, no embarrassment, no shame. That's godly sorrow. Now, I mess with you for a moment because you know how sometimes people will pull you off to the side. I want to just tell you, if God speaks to you in a moment, you know, what, what, what's wrong right now in the middle of the sanctuary? What's wrong with somebody getting up and going over to somebody else right now in the middle of the sanctuary and just putting their around them and say, you know what, this hope is where we're going to start our restoration process. But you know, man, but what about how people might think about me? Oh, they're recording this. Somebody's going to see me. Two last scriptures here, and I won't even go to them, but Jacob and Esau. To this day, I got saved when I was 18. I can't read that scripture, that story. I can't even read that outline in the Bible without getting choked up. Because you think about two brothers was fighting since they was in their mother's womb. And then all their life, one tricking the other. And then here they are, one assuming the other one is going to kill him. And the scripture says he bows down to his brother. Bows to his brother. See, there's humility and there's honor in repentance. There's repentance, excuse me, there's humility and there's honor in the repentance. Family was restored when yet one thought the other one was about to kill him. Same book, Genesis, Joseph with his 11 brothers, you know the text very well. They lied on him, they cheated on him, they sold him into slavery. Got to Potiphar's house, amen, and, and, and got, 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 got a rap sheet. He was falsely imprisoned. Stayed in the dungeon. The person that was supposed to help him out of the dungeon forgot about him when they got out. Then finally, amen, here it is a Pharaoh with a dream, and his life comes to the surface. He purposed the dream, second in all of Egypt. And then here comes the people that heard him needing him. That's when you know you've truly repented. When people that have hurt you need you and you, oh my goodness. You don't say, well, oh yeah, well, I remember when. I remember, oh, now you want to come and ask me for something. Oh, but yeah, you ain't asked me for nothing when you were storing me in that pit with no water in it. When you was lying to my father telling him that some animal had, had destroyed me. You know you've repented. Listen to me. When you no longer desire to see wrong done to the person who's wronged you. The scripture says Joseph had to run in the back and hide his face because he was weeping. And he finally came back out, finally embraced him, finally told him who he was and the family was restored because somebody said, I'm not gonna let what happened in the last decade stop what's supposed to happen in the next decade. read this to you my time is gone I believe it is nine eight seven or is that really that's what I'm saying good lord first John 1 and 8 says if we say we have no sin then we are a liar and the truth is not in us all sin means my brothers and sisters is it means to miss the mark it means there's a blemish it means there was an opposition to God's word to God's plan or to God's heart that's what it means. It means there's an opposition to God's word, to God's plan, or to God's heart. In other words, you can do something that seems like it's right to you, but if it was not the heart of God, that's a sin. Well, I meant, I meant, I didn't, I wasn't trying to do that. It really doesn't matter. Don't justify your sin. Just repent of it. Some things that changed my life. Sometimes we cover up our wounds with our spirituality. The only thing that the devil can hold against you, the only thing that officially counts against you, is the thing which you've not repented of.
anything that I have not repented of, the enemy has a right to hold it against me. The enemy lives in darkness. Whenever I don't repent, I invite darkness. Isaiah 6, chapter 5 says, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips, and I am amongst the people of unclean lips. True repentance says I'm going to look at me first and others second. If I start off by saying he did it, she did it, they did it, I'm already not even genuinely repenting. Repentance starts with me. But God, you know what they did to me. I know that. Repentance starts with me. Can you say that? Repentance starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. But what if they don't change? You can't control them. But what if they don't come back and repent? You can't control what they would do. But I need you. You hear my voice. You know my word. You hear what I'm saying to you. You be obedient. Here's how I want to close. There's a such thing as individual repentance, which is really what we've been talking about most of our time, where we're just individual, you as a, as a man or as a woman, as a boy or girl, son or daughter, it's an individual, where you are, you're just getting something right with God, you're getting something right with another person, you know, you're, you're, you're going over, you're having a fierce conversation, the way that I call it, meaning you're, you're able to put your fears aside, put your embarrassment aside, and you say, you know what, I want to actually, I want to let you know how distraught I am over what happened. I want to let you know how damaged, I, I realize how this is damaging you, damaging your family. I have no idea what I could have been thinking, but I'm going to tell you right now that I'm here to say I'm sorry, I apologize, I'm asking for your forgiveness, and even if, watch this now, and I'm not even going to put you in the place to make you forgive me. Repentance is I'm letting you know where I stand. Not, oh, I went and tried to tell them I'm sorry, but they wouldn't receive it. Well, your attitude is already wrong. You, you did not genuinely do that. Because if you can just walk away so plainly and still say it's their fault, you did not genuinely repent. That's individual repentance. You, a spouse to a spouse, a child to a child, a brother to a brother, it's individual. But my brothers and sisters, in there is family repentance. There's a repentance where as a family, you realize that maybe there is something generationally that keeps happens happening within your family. My wife and I, maybe about three or four years into our marriage, we realized the significance. There were things that we were fighting in our young marriage. We were fighting it because it was on my daddy's marriage, my mom and daddy's marriage, and on my granddaddy's marriage, and so forth and so on. If you as a family are not willing to address what used to happen, it may happen again. Somebody, watch this, oh Lord. Uh, Jack, Brian, please just give me a few minutes, man. I'm wrapping up, I promise. Listen. For my family, one of the things that we did was we hid everything. That was a generational curse on my family. Aside from alcoholism, one of the things is we just hide. Whatever happens, don't tell nobody. It's a secret. It's a, and the, the longer those secrets went on, the more it hurt people in my family to the point that it was almost no repair. And so the one of the things that my wife and I had to come to the agreement on is that we've got to be open with each other. We've got to be open with our children. We've got to talk, we've got to communicate because if not, we're keeping our children in darkness over something that they don't even know. And they've become grown and still fighting these things. And we as a family had to decide, had to make a decision and had to decide, we're gonna be a family of repentance. We're gonna be a family of repentance. We're gonna be a repentant family. Not one person. We're going to be a repentant family. Isn't that something? Most of us that have young children, when they do something wrong, most parents, go tell them you're sorry. Go tell them you're sorry. And you know they don't mean it. But it's just because you, because you say so. I'm sorry. And it's like, and as adults, sometimes we need, some of, we need somebody to tell us, go tell them you're sorry. <laughs> family repentance. Thirdly, corporate repentance. 
where a church can repent on the behalf of a city. A city can repent on the behalf of a nation. Here's what God has against us. We talk about our country more than we ask God forgiveness for what is happening within our country. Because it just feels so much better to talk about it. But God said, what if, have you, have you, do you not know the term kinsman redeemer? Do you not know that Job offered up sacrifice on behalf of his children and said, Lord, if any of my children have sinned or done anything, amen, against your will, he offered up alms. He said, perhaps they've sinned. So he offered up sacrifices for his children. Which one of us can offer up sacrifices for our city, for our nation? And God said, you know what? I was going to bring destruction, but because somebody repented. How many times God kept having a conversation with Noah? Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, right? Noah kept going on. God, if you find 60 righteous people, 30 righteous people, 20 righteous people, and God said, look, there's righteous people, they're going to do it. And then finally, eight righteous people, and that's exactly what it was. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. Eight people. And God says, I'll spare it. I'll save you. Come on in the ark. Come on in. Repentance prevents calamity there can be ensuing calamity and if somebody will say I'm going to go and repent before the Lord God will spare and he will save there's city and there's regional there's national we have the national day of prayer that we typically celebrate the first Thursday of uh, first Thursday in the month of May every single year and it's typically a, draws lots of people from everywhere that would come and participate in all the different things that's going on around this city and many other cities and in Washington and different things like that watch this church every day is a national day of prayer every moment is a moment to repent we don't live in the Old Testament anymore we need a high priest that we that can go in just once a year Every moment when the Holy Spirit brings something, I've had, I've had people in leadership call me at one and two in the morning and interrupted my sleep and said, I just need to tell you I'm sorry because I thought about something that happened today. Text messages, sometimes at 3 a.m. in the morning and I wake up and see the text at 5.30, 5.45, 6 o'clock, and it's a text message from someone saying, I, I don't think you realize what I did last week, but I need to tell you what I did. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let me tell you something. That's worth an interruption. That's worth an interruption. Here's what I'm going to do right now. I want, you to, want to ask you to just bow your heads all over this building. And I don't want you to bow your head just because I'm saying that I don't, not asking us to do any religious thing per se as it is. I want you to ponder and to reflect in this moment. And I trust that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you like the Holy Spirit is whispering to me right now. I'm asking you to bow your heads right there. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to whisper to you. Allow conviction to come into your heart. Who or what may we be holding something against them? Because of a justifiable reason, the Lord says, I want to release you from that tonight. I want to free you from that tonight. Whether it is someone that is close to you or someone that you may not even have any relationship with anymore. Maybe you don't even have no contact information for them. That's fine. Begin, to, begin the forgiveness process right now. Begin the repentance process right now. And you're going you're gonna to begin to see that dark cloud is going to begin to lift Oh, those rainy days where it, it because non-repentance creates cycles. Those cycles will begin to be broken right now in the presence of our great Savior. Father, I thank you for your anointing and for your presence right now. I thank you for your glory that is in this place. I thank you for the conviction that can only come from the Spirit of God. God, out of this moment, there's going to be great fruit. Out of this moment, there's going to be great maturity moment oh god there is going to be a togetherness and a a bond that literally cannot be broken and it will begin to take place right now as people all over the sanctuary are beginning to say lord i forgive this one lord i forgive that one lord i release them of this right now i let this go right now. 
And maybe somebody is saying, Lord, I don't even know how to let it go. I don't even know what I should say. I don't even know if I have the words to say. You know what, God? Can I be honest? I don't even think I have the strength to do it. The Lord says, I'll give you supernatural strength. In your own might, you can't do it. But the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. The Lord says, I will give you an energy that is not even your own. I give you the means and the words to say. I will, art- I will give you the articulation of your heart to begin to make things right. Father, may a spirit of forgiveness hit this city. We represent much more than those that are in this building right now. May a spirit of repentance hit this city, God. May we understand that this is the great key that unlocks next dimensions. There's a sound that will come that is birthed out of repentant hearts and repentant spirits. The greatest repentance we can ask is to ask our Father to forgive us. And maybe you're here tonight and you don't even know the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You don't, you, you, maybe you're a good person, but you, you know, it's like, hey, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've never really said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to know you in a greater way, and I want you to come in to my heart and live within me. If you've never done that, this, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity right now. I stood up here for, I don't know, 45 minutes or whatever it is, and I was very transparent about my natural life, my spiritual life. I am not perfect, but I'm going to tell you something right now, man. I have embraced the kingdom principle of repentance. I have embraced it. And we want to give you that opportunity tonight if you're not saved, if you're not a believer, if heaven is not your eternal home, God wants to forgive you right now. Can I tell somebody something that God is not mad at you? Come on, while your head's about right there. God is not mad at you. Here's what the Bible says. His anger is but for a moment. And his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. For some of us, as we repent right now, joy is coming. Joy is coming. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Joy is coming. Where there was sorrow, where there was pain, joy is coming. I will turn for you your mourning into dancing. We receive that tonight, Father. We receive your love afresh in this moment. We receive your grace afresh in this moment, God. We receive, amen, your presence in a profound way right now. Move over mamas and daddies right now. Move over husbands and fathers. Mothers and daughters, move over them right now, oh God. Teenagers, no longer holding grudges against their parents. Fellow brothers and sisters in the kingdom, no longer holding grudges just because they left and went to another church. No more grudges in the house. No more bitterness in the house. No more fits of rage. Because we're angry over what happened, free us in this moment. Loose us in this moment. Can I ask you right there, as your as your head bow, as your head is bow, can you just reach over and touch somebody around you? Can you just reach over, put your hand on somebody's shoulder, grab somebody's hand, just touch somebody around you right now in this very holy moment? Holy Ghost, bring things to our remembrance right now. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. When you accuse someone, that's the spirit of the enemy. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to them. Peace to this house, Lord. You said if we walk in a house and that house is worthy, God, to leave our peace in that house. We leave the peace of God in this place. We leave the peace of God in this place. God, may may a trail be blazed out of this place today. Where there was lack, may there be abundance. Where there was frustration, may there be clarity. Where your people were overwhelmed, may they now find peace. I bless every marriage in here tonight. 
Been married for 30 years, been married for 20 years, married for three months. I bless your marriage tonight. Every single mom or single dad that's doing the best you can without even having both parents in the home, may God supernaturally reward and bless and move on your behalf in the name of Jesus. I hear the Holy Spirit saying something right now that for some of you, someone that you really want to talk to, that you really want to get things right with, they've already passed on and they're no longer living. And you feel so bad about it. The Lord Jesus says, I ever live to make intercession for you and that I'm standing in the gap for you. The Lord says, get it right with me. And that means getting it right with them. Where there was emotional pain in this place tonight, God, where there were psychological wounds, great relationship damage that was done. Holy Spirit, may you minister to those places right now in the name of Jesus. All over this place, may you minister to those people right now in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and honor tonight as the band plays and sings. Just stay right here in this place in the name of Jesus.